Please turn with me to Matthew, the 21st chapter, as we're continuing to look at uh, Christ who entered into the city that day. Don't you know that it was uh, so confusing and disappointed for so many people who celebrated his entry into the city and then saw him arrested and then crucified and put in the tomb. Matthew 21 verse 43 gives us a perspective on what Christ was doing that is often overlooked when we move from the triumphal entry into the events leading to the cross and the resurrection. Verse 43, Jesus is speaking about his purpose in coming and the nature of the kingdom of God. He says, therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people who will produce its fruit. He who falls on this stone will be broken into pieces But he on whom it falls will be crushed. A hard message. The kingdom that he was bringing would be taken away from those who are not fruitful. Do you remember how Jesus taught us to pray? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say those words with me. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's remarkable, this kingdom that Jesus is ushering in. And it's in the prayer of every believer to recognize that this unfolding kingdom is God's great plan for this world. And as we pray that prayer, we become part of God's unfolding plan for this world. So many who saw Jesus come into the city and applauded and shouted and cast down the branches and their coats had no idea what Jesus would really require as he moved towards the cross. And they had to sacrifice their popularity and their success and their social standing in order to accept a new kingdom that he was bringing the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ invisible to most people in this world. The kingdom is only revealed to those who have faith in their hearts and can see the king as he really is. How many of you can say honestly that as you have come to know God, he has really turned your life upside down? The things that the things that you thought were secure are shaken. The things that seem so elusive become firm and solid in your life and you realize that this kingdom that Jesus brings in is real and it changes everything. Ginger and I look, like to look back and see how, let me just say it, the, the, how God has ruined our lives. Not just once, but several times. Just about the time that we have things figured out and that we're secure and we make our plans for the future, God has a way of turning us upside down 
of shaking us, of rearranging our lives, of revealing his kingdom to us in a new way. And the more times this happens, the more we realize how good a king he really is. Aren't you glad that he didn't just leave you the way he found you? If he just saved you and set you down and had you wait for heaven. No, he didn't do it that way. But he takes each of us and he transforms us into his likeness that we may come fit for the eternal kingdom that he is bringing. And Jesus talks about his kingdom in these important words here in Matthew 21. As we move from the triumphal entry into his explanation of his greater purpose. Now it's very important that Jesus explains. Because there were so many people that were confused. Even deceived by the nature of what was happening. Because they didn't understand the true nature of his kingdom. And so as he says... The kingdom, the kingdom of God will soon be taken away from those who are not fruitful. Those who are not producing the fruit that the kingdom produces as we yield to the kingdom in our hearts. Now, go back to verse 18. And I want us to see As Jesus explains the nature of his kingdom, first of all, I want you to see, this is, he explains the cause or the purpose of his kingdom. Early in the morning, as he went on his way back to the city, he was hungry and seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up and found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered, and when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also to say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, underline verse 22, if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Here Jesus approaches this fig tree and what seems to be out of character for Christ, doesn't it? For Christ to raise his hand and cause the fig tree to wither, that's disturbing when you first see this, but this wasn't. This wasn't just an impulsive or an angry act of Christ. He wanted... he. He did that to give them a living parable that they would understand the Father's heart regarding the unfruitfulness of those who were religious but did not really yield to the kingdom of God. How many of you know that religion without God is a problem? And religion has a way of losing sight of God, losing relationship with God. Listen, I had the privilege this last week of uh, being at a meeting in uh, California where there was a gathering of leaders, most educational leaders from the church around the world, Asia and Europe and, 
and uh, South America, <clears throat> Africa, and hearing the reports of such incredible revival and harvest. And I'm sitting there listening, and I'm thinking about, here we are in America, kind of halfway between. We look at Europe, and we see what is being called a post-Christian culture. How many of you have been to, to Europe and seen empty churches everywhere? There is the form of religion, but no life, no relationship. And here in America, we look back at Europe and say, how sad, could, could that happen to us? A religion without a relationship? It's happening. It's happening. And we as believers in this culture in America need to realize that we could go the same way and lose the vitality of our faith the way so many have before us. We need to be stirred up. We need to be revived. We need to let God have His way in our hearts and bring His kingdom into our lives daily. But here in America, we look at Europe and then we look at Africa and South America and Asia and we see the gospel going forward. And people are being saved in such incredible numbers. And the church is flourishing. And there is revival. And we say, wow. And we thought we were the Christian nation. How many know that Christian is only a word without Christ? Where are the Christian nations? If you've been to South Korea and seen how the whole culture, the whole culture has shifted to an emphasis upon Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And there are places in Africa and South America and other places in Asia where you see that somehow the whole culture is swept up in recognizing that Christ and His kingdom, Christ and His kingdom, that is our ultimate purpose. And here is Jesus spoke to those who were confused about his coming, and he said this. Now hear this. He said, My kingdom will be taken away from those who are not fruitful. That's a, that's a sobering thought, isn't it? How many of you know that uh, God loves the souls that aren't saved just as much as he loves you? That when you love God, God has a way of putting His love in your heart for the souls that He has concerned about. And so whatever we understand about the kingdom of God, we need to realize God wants to give us a change of heart. Hear this, where we care about what God cares about. Where we love what God loves. And where we yield to His work in history rather than, hear this, than to develop some type of a self-serving religion where it's all about me and my next blessing. You know, I went to a funeral uh, one time and there was a, uh, an older fellow who had gotten crippled up in his old age and he loved to play golf and everybody knew he loved to play golf and the minister said something about now he can play all the golf that he wants because he's in heaven. Now, I like golf. How about you? But, but let me tell you, if, if we have to play golf in heaven, I'm going to be disappointed. And I share that because, listen, we live in a culture 
where we really like to take the gospel and conform it to our personal needs and interests, and we're looking forward to our own personal utopia and what we might experience in heaven. And I hear stories about people that say they're going to, you know, they're going to fish in heaven and catch fish for all eternity. Or they're going to play golf. Or they're going to eat all the chocolate they want without getting fat. You know what? That, isn't that silly? Yet in our culture, we promote this idea of this personal utopia. When Jesus talked about an eternal kingdom. Where he is Lord of lords. And king of kings. What is the kingdom of God? Have you thought about that? The kingdom of God. Well, we need to understand that in order to have a kingdom, you need a king. Jesus Christ, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In order for you to have a kingdom, there needs to be a realm of authority. So a very simple understanding and definition of the kingdom of God is the realm of God's authority in heaven and in earth, which was, hear this, was interrupted through sin and the fall. You've got to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And even before that, to Lucifer's rebellion to see how the kingdom is being restored. And ultimately, ultimately, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we realize that God is not going to stop until He finishes restoring His authority throughout all of creation, and we are part of that. Listen, Jesus Christ isn't just one on a list of multiple choices regarding what religion you'd like to believe. And when we discover this, that, listen, God isn't living in our universe, we're living in His. We need to adjust to Him and His purposes rather than try to conform God to us and to our purposes. Jesus brought this kingdom. Now, I want you to continue in his explanation and see how he further explained this as he talked to them about his authority and how they were confused. They didn't understand his source of authority. They asked him this question as we read in verse 23. By what authority are you doing these things? And Jesus, avoiding the trap that they had set before them, asked them, well, where did you think that John, John the Baptist, received his authority? They didn't know. Or they weren't willing to say because they knew the people would turn against them if they did not admit that John's authority came from God. And Jesus said, the authority that I have is the same. Listen, the kingdom of God is about the authority of God and yielding to the authority of God. So as he explains his kingdom, he said, you must be fruitful as the Father wants you to be fruitful. And you must submit to the authority of God as the basis of your relationship with him. And this was the problem for the Pharisees and the religious leaders who would rather continue being religious their own way than accept the new way 
that Christ presented to them. He said, Then he gave them a parable of two sons. As he said, as he explained the cause of the kingdom, next he explains the choice of the kingdom. Notice in verse 28. Here's the parable regarding the choice. He says, What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, the son answered. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will. But he did not go. Which of the two did the father, what what the father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering into the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness And you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. A very simple parable of two sons. Both told to work in the field by their father. The first delayed his obedience. He said, no, I will not go. But then he changed his mind and he went. The second denied obedience. For first he said, I will go. But then he lingered and forgot and ended up not going. It's obvious which son was the better son. The one who eventually went. Now I see Christ as the third son in this parable. Because Jesus Christ was the only son of God who said yes and went immediately. In the spirit of obedience, which models what Christ has for all of us. How many of you can identify with that first son that hesitated and then changed his mind? God has a way of dealing with us, doesn't he? You know, I look back at some of the major decisions in life and how at first when it became clear what God wanted. You know, I I, I didn't really want to say no to God, but I wasn't ready to, to do it wasn't ready to move and so really I was saying no by my behavior and then God had a way of working and changing my heart and uh, it was interesting we had a big decision in our lives a number of years ago and I was putting this decision off hoping that we would have a special sign from God have any of you done that waiting for and then when the special sign comes what do you do you ask for another special sign isn't that our nature Well, we were praying about this big change in our lives, and I knew that I had to visit uh, Korea and do some teaching there, and I knew that there was a place there called Prayer Mountain, and that I, I wanted to go there and take some time on Prayer Mountain to make this decision. So I was preparing to teach my class, and, you know, as weeks and months passed, and I finally got to Korea, and I did my teaching with the seminary students there, and then I had a whole day off for prayer, And I got this young man who worked there at the seminary to take me to Prayer Mountain and just drop me off and leave me there all day. I started walking up the mountain. And I probably didn't take a hundred steps. And the Lord spoke to my heart. You know what he said? Have I not spoken? Ruined my whole prayer retreat. (laughs) And why was that? 
Because God had already shown me months ago what His will was. But I was being disobedient, unbelieving, proud, resistant. I wanted God to tell me on prayer mountain. And He told me. But I was probably driving in traffic somewhere. You know, that's the way it works. Taking a shower. How many of you know God speaks to you in the shower? Working in the yard. Right? But when God speaks to your heart... And there is a yes in your heart. There's a yes even before He speaks. It's about the relationship where you are yielding and walking. Now God is patient and merciful and kind. Let me tell you, He takes as long as it takes. As you take, as I take. And He brings us around. And He is so very merciful. He is so patient. But let me tell you, When God speaks, He means what He says. And we need to say yes. We need to yield. How many of you know that it doesn't work to negotiate? We can't bargain our way into a better deal. Somebody said, you know, God's got a problem. He thinks He's God. That's a silly way to put it, but listen. God doesn't have to negotiate. And so we need to adjust to Him and His purpose and His kingdom. So we see the choice here of the kingdom, which is yes or no. Now we would like the choice of wait and then get additional information and then make the decision. But ultimately, It is a yes or a no. So, what do we see here in the kingdom? Well, first we see the cause of the kingdom. The cause of the kingdom is that the kingdom would be fruitful for the king. And if we're to be part of God's kingdom, he has a right to expect fruitfulness in our lives. We see the authority of the kingdom is truly the issue. Where did Christ's authority came from? If it came from God, then we must accept what He said as true. By His authority. To accept our Father's authority. And then we realize the kingdom is about that choice. That choice We're like the two sons who heard the father and one delayed obedience and the other denied obedience. God wants quick obedience as soon as we hear his voice. Now, I need to summarize here and conclude. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In my heart. As it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In my home. As it is in heaven. This is how the kingdom of God. Is manifested in us. And through us. Would we be so bold as to pray about our nation? 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in our nation as it is in heaven. How many of you know by now that God isn't a Democrat or a Republican? Jack Cabert said, I, he, I, I knew he wasn't a Democrat or a Republican, but I still thought he was four square. <laughs> until, God realized, until he realized that God had a greater purpose in all that he was doing. And it's not about our church, but his church and his kingdom purpose, regardless of the denomination or the particular church that's involved. Where we need to set our hearts on a greater kingdom. And that's only possible as we yield our lives to a greater king. Okay. Let me conclude by saying as surely as Jesus came to that city today he approaches us in the now in the circumstances of our lives and he's saying will you yield to my way will you make the choice to surrender and we respond with all of our excuses all of our reasons all of our priorities He wants us to respond with a prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In my life. As it is in heaven. Father thank you this day. For showing us something about your kingdom. Through this incredible. Event of Christ. Coming into the city. And being misunderstood. And then crucified. And then. Raising from the dead. Help us, O oh God, to realign ourselves with your kingdom. Help us to yield to your authority. Help us, O oh God, during this Easter season, not to let this time pass without seeing the real responsibility and implications of your coming. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you struggling with Christ over the throne? Is there some indecision, some hesitation? some disagreement, some tension, yield. Step aside. Let Him take the full authority over your life on the throne of your life where you say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. How many of you know that you do a pretty poor job of running your life? We know that about ourselves, don't we? We know that about everybody. Only Christ can bring that order. And so the invitation this morning is to If Jesus is not on the throne of your life this morning, you need to invite him to be. You need to step down off that throne and say, Lord, I submit to you. And if there's anything being tested right now, any relationship, any ambition or desire, any conflict where there is some type of a a test regarding the authority of Christ in your life to surrender and to submit to him. How many of you will pray a prayer of submission with me this morning? We're going to pray this together. And then if you aren't sure that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to stay after and come forward. And we want to pray with you and make sure that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. The altar will be open. I encourage you to come down and spend some time in prayer as we're beginning Easter week. If you have a personal need in your body, if you need healing, if you've got a decision to make, or would like for the elders of the church to pray for you, please come forward. Father, we thank you 
that even now as we consider the authority of Christ, we realize that there is a place in each of our hearts where we have to invite you to be in charge. We have to invite you to be on the throne, in control of our thoughts and our emotions, all of our decisions to put you first. Help us, O God. Even as this song calls us to seek first your kingdom, we ask you, O God. Help us, Lord, as we submit to you and yield to your purpose. Wherever you speak to us, whatever you show us, O God, help us. Lord, may we leave this church this morning knowing that you really are in charge and we can rest, we can be at total peace knowing that you are in control. We thank you, we thank you for this great opportunity, O God, to make a decision for you. And we ask you to help us as we're dismissed this morning to walk in the fullness of your spirit, seeking your guidance, children of light in this dark world, as we seek to live for you. We thank you, O God, for this experience together today. In Jesus' name, amen.